Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Safina Society podcast. This is Moeen Sayyid, your host today. Unfortunately, today Dr. Shadi couldn't join me, but today I have two very special guests of mine. First is Mufti Niyaz Hanan. He is one of my closest friends and also the religious director of the Islamic Center of South Jersey. He's also the Muslim chaplain of Drexel University, and he's also one of the teachers here at Safina Society. And I have with him uh, Haris Farouki, also a close friend of mine, and another one of the students at Safina Society, and an alumni of Rutgers University and Rutgers Universe and Rutgers MSA. So how are you guys doing today? Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Excited. So here's what I want to talk to you about today, Mufti. Uh, I want to talk about. Uh, this sounds crazy. But I want to talk about thirsty guys and girls oh, at man. MSN. <laughs> Let's just go straight into it. Marriage Student Association. Guys and girls, they need to behave. You have to have your <laughs> intention correct. I'm being dead serious. I'm being dead serious because it usually doesn't end up well. Okay? I have parents coming to me. I have young people coming up to me. I think Shadi talked about it in one of the other podcasts where, you know, when you're talking about marriage, you take the wrong route. You start off by doing something you shouldn't have been doing, and then when it doesn't go your way, you start complaining about your parents not agreeing with you. Look, be an adult, okay? You have to make sure that you understand why you're at college. You're there to graduate. You're there to get a degree. You're there to start your career. You're there to get a job, and then afterwards, if you have time for anything else, I don't know how, Mufti, can you blame them? There's like 50 marriage courses through the MSA a year. <laughs> like, you know, just That's that, you guys' so. fault, Listen, all right? <laughs> look, I, I think it's important to have those as well, right? Because How you many know, of you guys, if I were to test you on Surah Fatiha, you could actually recite it to me <laughs> properly? <laughs> With the Jweed, yeah, I wouldn't bang on too many. Oh, boy. How many Fatiha. of these guys know Istinja properly? Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's nasty. You're going to get married, man? That's <laughs> gross. No, I mean Honestly, this, no, in all seriousness. Look, MSA has three functions and three functions only, okay, in my opinion, okay, from my viewpoint, okay, I've spent a little bit of time and interacted a little bit with MSAs in the tri-state area, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, MSA has only three functions, number one is the prayer room, okay, a space for Muslims to come and perform their salah, because they're Muslims, okay, wudu and everything attached to the prayer room, okay, brothers and sisters, number two is a place to meet other Muslims on campus, Okay, socialize. Okay, and slash, I'm connecting that with da'wah. Okay, okay. you are the ambassadors of Islam on campus to the non Muslims. Okay, so you have a responsibility to represent Islam well on campus. And then, third is spiritual enrichment, some education, okay, some enrichment of your knowledge of Islam while you're at that environment, okay, in the form of student-led halaqahs, in the form of Islam Awareness Week. Islam Awareness Week can kind of overlap between the social slash dawah and your own spiritual enrichment in the form of visiting scholars, in the form of your educational events, and all of those. Anything other than these three, anything which cannot be directly traced back to these three has nothing to do with MSA in my opinion. I think it also deals with like your experience as a student, right? Now think of it. Put yourself in the shoes of a freshman. You come to college, right? You you've had your you're living on campus or even not living on campus. You at some point might look for Muslims and right and the Muslim Student Association is kinda like this box with people who are labeled as Muslim and then you ask yourself the question, what do you define as a Muslim, right? It's very ambiguous at many universities, right? We're blessed with Rutgers University, shout out to my alumni at Rutgers MSA and Rutgers Juma, but we're blessed with uh, a university that has a lot of Muslims who are tied to masjids, right? But then you also have a whole different sphere of people who are coming from families that barely associate with Islam, right? See, I've seen that, and that is what 
catches my attention more. I did not know to what extent, what percentage of the community that was, and especially Muslim students on campus. Allahu Akbar, you know, alhamdulillah, many of us, we were blessed to be in an environment where we had access to the masjid, where we see our families praying salah at home, and then, you know, halal food, and we were raised in that way, as best as our parents could, in the day and time and age that we find ourselves in. But there are many, many students who, for no fault of their own, we're not raised in what we would consider an Islamic environment. They're coming to university, they're coming to college, they're living away from home for the first time, not knowing anything. Not knowing anything, and now you're going into this amazingly Muslim environment, you're meeting Muslim brothers and sisters for the first time, and you know they're giving salam to each other, and they're having classes, and they're inviting speakers, and they're doing all of this stuff. It, Yeah, one very, very practical thing to happen is you become overwhelmed by it. Right. You become right. overwhelmed by it, and a byproduct of that is this click mentality. Yeah, I mean, speaking, what are you supposed to do? Speaking of that click mentality, I, I, I've gotten this uh, feeling a lot from MSA where it's like, it's, it's almost like a fraternity or a sorority, <laughs> right? I mean, that's what it is. What else is it? <laughs> it's, yeah. it I mean, right, it's isn't a, that what you're registered as under the university <laughs> anyway? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... And and really, what is what is the MSA? Many times, it's a halal party, right? It's halal a halal gathering, socializing. Call yeah, it what you call it what you will, right? Same thing, call yeah. it what you will, right? But it's it's a gathering where people come together and you you you, you sprinkle on some deen. Yeah, right, right. It's a it's a social gathering where you sprinkle on some deen. And that's really what it is. The majority, a, like three quarters of the people, are there just to socialize. Absolutely. Just to socialize, and that, that, that's not necessarily a bad thing at all. Right, but that's what they're there for. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the topic is. It doesn't matter who the speaker is. It doesn't matter if there's food or not. Okay. It doesn't even matter yeah, how long it's going to last. It might actually matter whether there's food or not. Okay. It might actually matter if there's food or not. But that's what most people are going there for. And then maybe a fifth, or you know, twenty percent, twenty-five percent, are there because they have nothing better to do. Okay. They didn't even know about it. Okay. They, they just, just happen to end up there. By, they just yeah. happen to pass by. Okay. And they have no reason not to stay. And then 10% or 5% are people, maybe they're really struggling with the issue, maybe they're really interested in the topic, they're sincere, they want to take notes and they want to actually increase their knowledge and they want to increase their ta'alluq with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so they're there. When you're working with that sphere of young Muslims and that's your audience, then you, know, you have to make a decision as to what you're going to do with all these people, how you're going to run your organization. You have to be very, very honest as to what you can expect from these people. Right, right. I mean, and, and, and you know, what do you, what do you do about these guys or girls who are like mini muftis on campus? Oh man, the mini Like they'll, they'll come up to you, you know, here I am and you know, I, I just learned about Surah Fatiha and they'll come and tell you about- Brother, the, where's your beard? Forget beard. They'll come and tell you about the ikhtilaf issues within the different madahib. Right, like this is this is how crazy it is. They'll just come up to you and tell you that you're a kafir because like you, your 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 socks weren't a certain height or yeah. something. Brother, your right? knees are showing. No, but I'm Shafi. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the guy just came to Islam Awareness Week to get some pizza. All right, uh, I mean, he didn't come right. here to learn about the 400 different ikhtilaf <laughs> that exist in two rakat salah amongst the four madahib. All right, that's not what he came here to learn. And even if he did come here to learn, you're not the person to teach it to that yeah, person. Absolutely. Okay, this isn't the place, this isn't the time, and you're not the person. Okay, let's start by acknowledging that that's not what MSA is. MSA is definitely not a madrasa. 
MSA is not a place where you're going to become an alim of the deen, okay? It's not even a place where you're going to learn many, many of the things that make you a functional and illiterate Muslim. MSA is there to help keep you in check, connect you with good people, people who also happen to be Muslim, people who also happen to love Allah and His Rasul people who also happen to want to pray on campus, you guys can pray together, okay? And you do things together, okay? You are not going there to revive the ummah. You're not going there to, you know, fight corruption. You're not doing anything else there. I mean, and 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 this is this might get you guys in trouble a little bit, but um, you know, what do you guys think about this insane issue that has corrupted a lot of MSAs, and and it's and it's been a big problem when it comes to LGBT, when it comes to, you know, a lot of the let's say the liberal-minded Muslims, right? People want to, whether it be um, they want to take down all barriers and they want everybody to pray side by side or they want, uh, you know, they want the, the uh, a woman leading Salah. I mean, there's just so much craziness going on, right? It's just, where do you start? How do you even deal with this? And, you know, as a chaplain, Mufti, what, what, how do you even traverse these crazy waters? I mean, just tell them it's all invalid if you're not <laughs> No, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. If you're not going to do your research, if you're not going to determine whether or not this is permissible in your deen, I'm not talking about permissibility. I'm talking about taking the proper approach to addressing these issues. If you're just going to do it on your own, you're not going to ask somebody who knows the religion, knows the tradition, knows the fiqh, and you're just going to do it for the sake of convenience, do it for the sake of increasing your following, do it for the sake of attracting more people, then you're obviously opening up a can of worms and you're obviously opening up the door to fitna. That's not the way to go about it. You're going to have to end up compromising on things that Islam has absolutely granted you no permission to compromise on. Okay, we're going to talk about LGBTQ. Right. Okay? We condemn the lifestyle. It's something which is completely impermissible in our deen. We don't make judgments about people. What people do in their private lives is nobody else's business. That's right. between them and Allah. Okay? This is like an addiction. This is like some type of test that they are battling with. Okay? But for us to come out and say that, okay, we want to make sure that you are treated like a human being, you have your civil rights, and you have all of that. That's not what we're against. What we're saying is that now this person, okay, we are condoning or we are approving of the choices that they're making, the indiscretions that they may be within our religion. You're going to compromise on one thing today. You're going to have to compromise on another thing tomorrow. After 50 years, after 10 years, after 5 years, after 1 year, Basically, the deen and what's halal or haram is going to end up becoming irrelevant for you. I think what are you going to be left with? The problem is kind of synonymous, right? Like you have a brother who comes in and, you know, you might not know what he's doing on his weekends. You might not know that he's an alcoholic. You might not know that he's addicted to pot. But he comes in and, you know, he comes into MSA and he kind of has a new identity. And that, I think, plays into the good side of MSA, right? That you come in with a clean slate. You might be the world's greatest sinner, but you go to Fajr at the Masjid and you come to clean your plate off, right? And I think with the LGBTQ community, the same thing kind of applies. Right, like if you go in there and no one knows about your, you know, uh, what, what would we call that, your preferences, mm -hmm. um, and you come in there and you're, you know, praying with everyone, you're acting normal, then no one would know, like you know, you're not publicizing your sin. But the problem I think, which is more prevalent now, is that people are coming there very openly saying, "This is who I am, and you need to make room for me in terms of what I do as being accepted, not room for me as a human, right? Because that's that's understood as something in Islam, like you just said, Mufti, that you know, we don't judge you, we 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 uh, you know, don't condone the act." 
right? So when people start to associate themselves very strongly and say, this needs to be made okay, I think that's where we start to butt heads and we see MSAs dealing with this, like, what do I do? And and, and here's the thing, right? Like, you have these uh, MSAs, and, and, and he, the good thing about a local masajid, right, is a masajid has rules, right? There is, by default, some sort of gender, de- gender separation. By default, because you have to pray behind one another, Right? There is, by default, you know, a, a, a level of this is a sacred space. We're not going to talk about, you know, the latest, you know, episode of, you know, the daredevil or something on it, right? It, it's just, there's just some level of, of, of sacredness in it, right? Whereas the MSA is associated with a secular, or, secular organization. University. University, yeah. right? It's just like a kumbaya of, <laughs> of, of you know, of, of you got like, you got different demographics of people you have people on like varying levels of islam you got people on different aqidah you got people on different sexuality you have all kinds of people here and it's just like this big kumbaya how do you like you know balance this because it's just crazy now you i think you were telling me before Harris, where it's like you know people will start having discussions about oh you know there'll be there'll be roundtable discussions between males and females, and people are talking about either coming out of the closet or they're talking about losing their faith. Or one guy's like on some other angle and he's talking about being super religious, and some other guy just hates the opposite gender. Like there's just people who are coming from all different angles at an MSA, and how do you like corral these people together? Uh, two two things. Uh, one is the law is the law. Right, this happens all the time. Young person comes up to me and says, "Mufti, I got." class, I can't make it for Jummah. I said, look, you're an adult, sane, free male. You fulfill the criteria for Jummah. You have to come for Jummah. It's a sin to skip Jummah, and it's a sin to skip other parts of the deen as well. That being said, you don't pray Jummah. That's between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It doesn't make it right, and muftis, we don't make things halal, and we don't make things haram. We show you, and we explain to you, and we put in front of you what the law says. Second point is, though, if a person has, you know, an, a preference when it comes to LGBTQ, right, okay? Right. Has that type of indiscretion that they have to deal with. That doesn't make them a bad person. Absolutely not, right. That doesn't make them anything. That is something that they have to battle with. It's a sin, right? it's a sin just as any other sin. It's exactly. similar to, you know, a person who's addicted to watching pornography, a person who's addicted to drinking, a person who is involved in any other thing which is haram, okay? Right. And if we look at our lives objectively and if we point fingers at ourselves yes there's a lot of things that we are doing which are maybe not as bad or maybe even worse right that we could you know put ourselves on the spot for i think i think it was you that was telling me before where the sin of zina right is the sin itself whether that's a zina with a man or a woman it's all under the same label you committed the same sin right right the problem is you just cannot get married to you know someone of the same gender Otherwise, you know, there is no, you're just a sinner just like everybody else, right? There's no, there's no preferential treatment or impreferential treatment, you know, outside of that. Right. Unfortunately, we have now kind of convoluted when we talk about, you know, should they be treated differently or should they have the same civil rights or should we champion them or should we, uh, you know, um, protest for them? Look, that comes from a whole culture of ignorance and a whole culture of taboo that is obviously completely un-Islamic to start off with, we don't treat people differently because of them being involved in a particular sin. Right. Right? Unfortunately, if that happens in MSA, then I'd be the first person to call that out. We don't treat people differently because they happen to 
commit that type of a sin, or even if they're not properly observing the hijab, or even if they're not properly dressing up when they're praying salah. The unfortunate reality is that a lot of people don't like these Muslim circles because of those same reasons that, you know, like it's, it's, I can't tell you the number of times I've heard a guy saying, I don't come to MSA because they judge me because I'm a, a part of a fraternity, or they don't, they judge me because, you know, I have an earring even, or, you know, for sisters, the hijab one is something you hear on and on again. Right, right. And, you know, I can't emphasize how important what you just said is. The people who are in these positions making decisions at MSA and organizing and the ones who basically create these cliques, they should be trying to eliminate these cliques, but they're the ones who are pioneering and promoting these cliques subtly, unintentionally. They have to be held accountable. They have to be educated and they have to be told to, you know, behave when it comes to the way they talk. They have to learn adab and they have to be people who have you know, some sound knowledge of the deen, okay? Be able to appreciate what our tradition has to offer and how we deal with these issues. These are issues that are not going to go away. We live in a country where these issues now are going to be exponentially, you know, exaggerated over, you know, the next... We're living in this generation where it's in front of our eyes, okay? Or if you look at MSA 40, 50 years ago, they had different types of issues that they had to deal with. Right. This is a very, very serious issue that we have to deal with. And if we are compromising in our values, if we don't go back to what guidance our deen has given us, then you're going to alienate a person, not just from the MSA, not just from the masjid, but from the deen altogether. Right. And, and I think, you know, it's because we come from, you know, an area of the United States where there is a large population of Muslims. And so this conversation, right, somebody listening to it from, you know, Kansas or Kansas State mm -hmm. University, uh, MSA might be like, you know, what are they even, talking about? What are they talking about? We don't even have those problems, you know. With it. So it's uh, it, 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 it's different where you're coming from, right? The, the fact that we're here in Jersey and we're around many different MSAs and many different massages and many different communities makes it an even more difficult conversation. Yeah, MSAs is a very dynamic institution. It's maybe even you can make the argument that it's more dynamic even than a local masjid. Because the local masjid so, people yeah. live there and to some extent most people don't move around right. that much. But MSAs, you have a new group of people every four years, a completely new group of people every four and or five years. And they change the rules, right? And they're bringing their own experiences, they're bringing their own understandings, and you're trying to somehow hold it all together, okay? Make sure that still there is some Islam there, there is some substance there that, you know, we are Muslims and this is how Muslims behave and this is Muslim lifestyle. It's difficult because you have to now try to strike a balance with certain types of kids. Like we mentioned earlier, they're coming from an environment where they absolutely have no connection to Islam. Never had any connection to Islam. That's not their fault. Now when you come into MSA and now you have the hijab police and you have the beard police and you have all these people who really haven't studied any of these issues in depth anyway, okay, completely condemning for absolutely no reason. Somebody who is naive and doesn't know any better. Right, right. Doesn't that scare you? Well, it Doesn't does. That... Okay, so now I'm going to play devil's advocate. And now think of it from this perspective. You have a good thing going. You know, people aren't causing any trouble or whatnot. Then you have this one bad apple who comes in, right? Someone who does pray five times a day. Someone who is, a, you know... This is the bad uh, apple. Uh, the one who prays yes, five yes, times yes, a day. Yes, I'm calling him a bad apple because he's more dangerous than the person who doesn't pray, right? Because now he sets an image as someone who's okay to follow, right? But then his mm. affiliations that he's public about are very wrong. Mm. 
He's affiliated with organizations that, uh, you know, take part in things that, you know, you shouldn't be a part of. He does things openly that, you know, you shouldn't be doing. And, you know, I'm making up this person, you know, I'm not talking about someone specific, but, you know, you come across that and then he becomes a role model. And then the new kids are like, wait, I can do both things and be okay because a person like that is doing. Now, you know, obviously for the sake of inclusivity, you're not going to say get out of here. But, um, you know, is that when you put on your hat and say, listen, like, you know, it's great that you're coming and whatnot, but, you, you know, do you tackle that? Do you tell the person what they're doing is wrong or, you know, because you notice that, you know, it's someone who's a person of influence, which happens pretty often, I'd say. I mean, one thing that happens when you're studying knowledge, and I believe that this is the same thing that happens when a person starts seriously committing to practice of the deen as well. Um, you should become more tolerant of other people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Once you start learning sacred knowledge... Okay, whether formally or informally, it should humble you to the point where I have a lot that I did not know, and I have a lot more that I have absolutely no clue about. When a person starts to, mashallah, Allah gives them the tawfiq and the ability and the ikhlas and the sincerity and steadfastness and the qama to be able to practice, right? The last thing that should happen is that they grow a chip on their shoulder. The last thing that should happen is that they start to judge other people who are not at that level. I mean, bro, you just started praying a couple months ago. Yeah. All right, what were you doing before that? Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm making a symbol of, you know, my fingers practicing, right? Quotation marks. That before you started practicing, you hated everybody that was practicing. And now you started, quote unquote, practicing, right? Mashallah, cover your hair, lengthen the beard, and appropriate clothing when you're in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You hate everybody who's not practicing. What happened there? What happened there? The thing that happened there is that there was no supervision. There was no tarbiyah. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing I've noticed um, amongst a lot of MSAs is some of the practices that have been done in MSAs have actually trickled into a lot of masjid communities, right? And I would say negative practices. For example, um, you know, I heard recently a brother arguing that it's okay for men and women to pray side by side because, you know, there are MSAs across the country that do this, right? And and this is not just one thing, right? There's other, you know, controversial issues that are that have traditionally really not been a problem in in, in masajid that have kind of trickled in because of, you know, what things are happening in MSAs. And believe it or not, and the MSA has actually become a very influential object in in in, in, in and platform in in the deen. Unfortunately, at least in America. Yeah, and when I think it goes back to what you were saying, right? That MSA is in, in a way like a crutch, right? It helps you get to somewhere, but it should be something that you like adopt as a part of your lifestyle, right? And if you think about MSA very holistically, you you've grown up your whole life at home with mom and dad, and you know you're raised in a community or without a community for that sake. You have four years we have some sort of freedom for the first time, and then some people revert back to their old lifestyle, or you know they they take off from there. So it's really like the platform that you're jumping off, right? And college can literally be a complete miss. A complete you know hit and i think that's where msa kind of comes into play right that kids who saw something you know allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspires them to try to get closer to the deen and they would associate the msa with that right they'd associate that you know this is me trying to get closer to my god and then the problem ties in how much of your god is even being mentioned in this msa what about the deen is he even resembling in this msa right, right. like do they do they even have like you know salah on campus do they do jummah together you know do they encourage people to be doing these things and uh, i think that opens up a whole discussion as to where you're coming from like you said and you know yeah i feel in what i've seen that's the exception though i agree with you that uh, Moin, that it's very influential more influential than we think or that we right. give it credit for that being said i mean 
there also has to be standards where we make sure that we don't compromise on making sure that we're giving these students an authentic experience and an authentic introduction and appropriate transition into becoming you know, functional Muslims, okay? That's where the communities and the masjids, the parents, they need to be involved. What's going on at these MSAs? But, uh, but what's, I mean, you, you, sorry to interrupt you, but what's a functional Muslim? Like, what does that mean? Somebody who wants to pray on time, somebody who has good character, somebody who is committed to becoming a better person. If you go to MSA and you become worse than you were, then obviously that speaks very clearly about what your MSA is, all right? Right. Be it... You started practicing and you became more arrogant, or you stopped practicing and you completely left the deen altogether. Striking a balance is the difficult thing. The thing that helps facilitate that is for people who are outside of MSA, people who have been through MSA, alumni, to be there to help students look. This is how you should spend your free time. These are the types of you know people that you should spend your time around. This is how to make time for your prayers. This is how to make time for your dhikr and your salawat and your... Uh, recitation of Quran and then explain to them the importance of being active in the community being involved in the community but also at the same time making sure not to overwhelm them I see that yeah MSA is definitely a big hit or miss either you'll overwhelm the person or you'll completely turn away that person forever right okay? right and and you know something I've seen uh, and, and Harris this is a question for you um, I've seen people come to MSA and learn about the Dean but Unfortunately, I've also met people who've come to MSA and because of the MSA, they've left the deen, right? And this has happened and I'm not sure if you ever encountered this type of incident, you know, but what do you think about this? To be honest with you, I think I've experienced it, right? So coming in as a freshman, my first experience with the MSA was, um, you know, someone texted me and was like, listen, you should go, it's a great place. I walk in and I see a lot of really big beards and to be honest with you, I haven't seen that in a very long time. Like, you know, and I see these, I was like, oh my God, is this like, you know, like a shake fest or is this like, you know, these students? <laughs> and then, you know, on the other side, you see everyone in hijab too. And like, it was a little intimidating me coming in, you know, like uh, as a freshman. So um, not that anything they were doing was wrong, but like, I was actually intimidated. I was very scared. Like, oh man, like I, I must be, you know, falling behind, right? So in, in terms of people who are completely turned away by it I think it has to do with what they associate MSA and the Dean to be right what the relationship yeah. between yeah. the two is mm -hmm. if you think that the MSA is completely indicative of what your religion is you're mis you're, you're you're on the wrong track right because and I think that a lot of MSA boards mistake on absolutely 100 percent. get that they, part of it they, wrong. they think that the msa is a part of the dean no 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 like <laughs> that, that's very wrong right I mean, like, Allah reward them and have mercy on them <laughs> and I mean, yeah give and them tawfiq and give them increase but and yeah and i'm confessing like i'm actually subject <laughs> you know i'm i'm a, i made that mistake wait, as well mufti's waving his hand in the air <laughs> yeah he's just like he's shaking it. his head he's, he's, he's like he's, uh, let it go yeah so like, no, 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 no. <laughs> i made the same mistake right that i thought that this is the way to get to god right but the reality is if you're not putting in your own time. If MSA is your only, you know, interface with the deen, maybe the first day, the second time you come, but eventually you need to understand that the masjid is a place that you should be going to, that the Quran is the thing that you should be open, that your prophet, peace be upon him, is someone you need to be learning about, right? And if you're connected to the MSA, but completely disconnected from the prophet, so some, where are you going? You know, where is it going to take you? Four years of the same, you know, ice cream social, four years of the same dodgeball tournament, four years of the same events are not going to move you closer to God. They may give you good brotherhood, which can lead to it. But you yourself have to understand that this is a starting point, right? And, you know, a month goes by, a year goes by, you need to start making progress, right? And you're absolutely right. You know, kids do get turned away by the MSA. And I would say that's in part the person's fault and in part the organization's fault. Right. And I'll see this a lot where... <laughs> 
I, I have friends like this, unfortunately, you know, where they're really excited about going to the dodgeball tournament or the ice cream social or whatever, like, you know, random social function. But, you know, when it comes to like, hey, you know, why don't you come to the masjid for like, you know, a dhikr night or come to the masjid for like, uh, uh, you know, a halakha or something. No, no, I don't want to do this. You know. Going back to what Mufti yeah. said about the whole <laughs> social aspect, right? So, you know, there's smart ways to do this. Like, you know, we're, we're smart people. We're in college. Like, tell them it's a dodgeball event. But when they come, say we're going to the masjid to pray for us. It's, it's a simple, you know, bait the switch type thing, <laughs> Just right? get some pizzas. Yeah, like, it's, it's very simple, and, you know, I think sometimes it's overcomplicated. Like, if you put a poster saying, Fick lecture by this shake, like, how many kids do you think are automatically different? MSAs should stop overcomplicating their events. Agreed. Okay, you need to keep it simple. Why? Because most of the people that are coming to your congregation, one, they don't care about the topic or the event anyway, like we mentioned before. But two, they just want to come and maybe take a taste of it, all right? And you give them a good reason to come back without confusing them or boring them with some technical topic, without overwhelming them with some nonsense that is absolutely irrelevant in their practical lives, okay? Just keep it simple, okay? If you're going to socialize, make sure that it's a permissible activity. Make sure that, you know, you know there's appropriate... Um, an environment for brothers and sisters to be comfortable, okay, and to, you know, socialize with uh, themselves. But then, once you start to do things on a bigger scale than that, unrealistically, unpractically, that's where the clicks I mean, start happening, that's where the hijab police come into full four, that's when the beard police come, and um, you're doing more damage than I mean, I'm not, at that I'm point. Not gonna, I'm you're not also not a bad Muslim if you don't go to MSA, you know, and I hope everyone in college understands it. Cause there that's are what I'm trying to tell everybody, feel, nobody listens. <laughs> feel, like, honestly, I personally, like, like I said, that freshman experience, I felt ashamed when I walked in and was leaving because I was like, oh my God, like, I'm definitely not one of this, and I'm not blaming them, it's, it's part in myself, right, that I wasn't giving the time to be open to them as well, like, I judged them based on their beards, right? So it goes, it's, it's twofold, but, you know, you need to understand that if MSA is not your boat, then that's okay, like, it's not a problem, you are not a bad Muslim or a bad person by any means, you may just not, you know, be similar to them, and that's totally fine as well, and, you know, I, I feel like a lot of MSA presidents probably hate me for saying that, but it's okay if you're Muslim and don't go. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you're there to get your education, okay? Okay, and this happens to every single person. I have yet to find somebody who hasn't explained it to me like this. Now, when you're in your freshman year, when you're probably even in your sophomore year, you're very enthusiastic about it. But then eventually the credits start piling up and you got to prepare for applying for jobs and you got to prepare for maybe if you're you doing post-grad do studies. You have stuff that's not... Practically, you don't have as much time. Yeah. So why should anybody demonize you for that? You're there doing what you're supposed to have been doing in the first place. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean like, I, I, I genuinely feel as if, you know, a lot of MSAs really need to chill out. Uh, some, some, some of these posters I've seen for events, they look like I'm about to go watch the new Star Wars movie. The graphic designers Right, I mean, like, the last one I saw, you know, it was like this, like, epic background. There was, like, there was, like, color theory in there. It was like, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm going to, like, a fic lecture, a halakha here, you know, there were, there's, there's just so many theatrics around this. And, like, it's, here's the thing. I understand you need to... Market your event and do what you need to do. I, granted, fine, right? But I think a lot of people forget that the MSA is really just a substitute for the masjid. It's a temporary substitute. While people are there, it's not a substitute, a temporary, uh, what do you say? It's like an alternative. Like a temporary alternative because the masjid is not available at that time because you're busy with your education, and, and, yeah. and, right? And so that's why the MSA is there to keep you in touch with your roots mm -hmm. as a Muslim, right? 
but now it's become just this club of yeah. You know, speaking about that, you can't. I can't even tell you the number of people who say I don't even believe in going to masjids. Like, why? Why? Masjids why are corrupt. The the uncles run the. You know, it's corrupt. They they you know hold it this way. They're not welcoming. I'm not. You know, they say all these type. They're outdated. They're this and that. So they actually prefer the MSA over the masjid. They That's, they, they, they prefer you know just mixing with the with the other gender. I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you go to a masjid, you can't see what you're trying to look for. You're gonna stop going eventually, right? <laughs> but. Uh, I mean, th this is the problem. Why, why do these people have a problem with the masjid, right? Why? And, and isn't this the heart of the problem? The fact that you have a problem with the house of Allah, right? That's deep. That's deep. <laughs> no, no. I fell in. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's what I would have to say about that. MSA needs to do a good job of being that transition for people to now go to the masjid, now attend the weekly halakha, attend the weekly dars by the sheikh, by the local imam, by the local scholar, okay? Um, but that being said, all right, make sure you are practical and you're realistic in what your expectations are of these people, right? Okay? Again, this is not an Islamic school, okay? You're not going to teach them, like, the fiqh of how to sell camels. You're not going to do any of these things at the MSA. <laughs> you're there to keep them Muslim, for lack of a better explanation, let them find a safe place for them to be comfortable as Muslims on campus, okay, where they can pray, where they can meet one another, where they can, you know, give salam to one another, and maybe even learn a thing or two along the way, okay, while they're trying to get their education, while they're trying to graduate, while they're trying to move on in life. But at the end of the day, for Muslims, okay, salah is doesn't matter whether or not you're at school or whether you're at home or whether you're graduated or whether you're working and married with children. You have to pray your salah, okay? So on the university campus, university campus, MSA would be that place. Right, right. MSA, for, you have to pray your salah, and the place where you do that would be at the MSA prayer room. Right. Okay? Um, you want to spend your time with good company, okay? The best place for you to look for friends would be Muslims on campus, right? And this has happened... A lot of or across lots of MSAs I see across the U.S. where there's just so much controversy going on, and there's just I'm sure Haris, you can come up with ten different things that that you fought with people about because it just sounds ridiculous, right? And you know what's going on? I think your response to the person who comes to you makes the world's difference, right? Yes. I think the way you handle your your mannerisms, your attitude, even your face, right? When someone comes and says something like you know, like openly just says, listen, I'm a gay Muslim and, you know, I want to know why I don't feel welcome here. Or, you know, a sister comes to you and says something crazy like, I'm cutting myself. Like, actually heard this many, many times. I'm cutting myself because I'm being completely demonized by these other Muslim sisters here. SubhanAllah. I mean, that's and, crazy. And, and, you know, I'm not lying when I say this. This is real stuff. And there's genuine issues that are coming out and anxiety and depression. These are real problems, right? And, you know, I, I want to go a little broader than just the LGBT community. Oh, yeah, like of course. Any it, sin, it, this is just, you just know, any man. sin in general, right? Like, when you make a person feel like their sin puts them out of the fold of Islam, you yourself has have been that person, right? Just think of just make sure you are aware that you were the person that stood in front of the door and put a barrier in front of that person on the way to the dean, right? So I think anyone, especially to all the leaders out there, I'm speaking to you guys, that you need to make sure you know your dean enough to understand that the Prophet accepted everyone for who they were and dealt with them in a unique manner. There was never two people that were the same. All his friends, the Sahaba, were different people, different characters, different personalities, right? And he was with them in a beautiful, Islamically appropriate way, but he did not tell them to become one another, you know? 
you know, he was the role model and they each followed his footsteps. But, you know, to go off that, these MSAs need to stop making one type of person that you need to be. That, you know, that this is the MSA president and that's the footsteps you need to follow. And if you're not becoming like him, you're wrong. Or for sisters that, you know, the hijab issue, like Mufti mentioned, becomes one of the biggest problems. And, you know, with brothers that, you know, why are you hanging out with girls? Why are you a part of these organizations? Why are you doing this, this and that, right? So, you know, your initial response makes a huge difference. Like, think about it. They're coming to you for a reason. Like they have a motivation to come and ask you like, you know, about the dean or to ask you to pray or ask you to hang out because they're looking for the company. It's, it's, it's more than obvious. It's written on their face. You know, they're, they're trying to get involved. Why would you push them away? Right. So first and foremost, you know, start with the welcoming. Right. And, you know, we have numerous stories that Mufti, I'm sure, can talk about where like, you know, you, you're, you have to be open to bring them in and then you move with them forward. You take it from there. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying where you went back to um, the point of, you know, making sure that they feel welcome where... Some of these people just need to chill out, okay? Right. There was a point in your life where you weren't the person that you are now, okay? I mean, unfortunately, people don't study the seed of the Prophet Wasallam. What can I do, okay? This podcast is only 30, 40 minutes long. But anyway, we have to be human first and foremost, okay? Right. Our religion, okay, from the beginning, from the Prophet Wasallam, the Quran and Sunnah, okay? We do not make moral judgments about a person and whatever indiscretions they are involved in, okay? Yes, they make the decision to engage in a lifestyle or to commit a sin, which obviously is impermissible, completely haram in Islam. That's between them and Allah. That's their struggle. You right, should support course. them. Of course. You should course. help them. You should be the last person to tell them anything that will push them away from the They're coming for help. They're coming for help. Yes, I agree with you that the MSA should not dictate, or I mean can't, but I guess more should not dictate how to be Muslim, right? right? And, 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 but at the yeah. same time, when people come to the MSA, they should get a good opinion about Islam. Right. I mean, and, that, and that's what I was... There's a difference there. There's the one is to learn how to become a Muslim, okay? Because, you know, we're all imperfect, okay? None of us are, you know, we shouldn't have that type of arrogance or we shouldn't feel so content with ourselves that I'm the only one who can make this decision or I'm the only one who should be making the call. I'm the only one who should, you know, be giving the lectures and I organize this. I do all right, that, okay? Right. I'm in a position, no, you're not. You're not, okay? Just chill out. At the same time, though, when people do come to the MSA, they should see that Islam is a beautiful religion, that it's an accommodating religion, okay? And it encourages dialogue and communication and brotherhood and sisterhood, okay? And dispelling ignorance, okay? And community service and all of these wonderful things, right? That MSAs can use as leverage, not as tools to push people away, all do, right? Do you think, though, that in trying to accommodate everyone, right, we've also created... A lot of controversy and, 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 you know, I don't mean to pick on any group or another, right? Uh, at the end of the day, everybody's sin is equal, right? A sin is a sin. Yes. Right? Whatever that may be. And that's how the dean treats it. But here's the thing, right? Don't you feel that a lot of times in a, trying to accommodate everybody, right? We've kind of let, left the door open for things of the dean that were not meant to be changed. I think that's where you draw lines, right? And you have to draw the line somewhere. And and don't you think that that's a it's problem? It's a Muslim today? Students Association. There has to be Islam there. But don't you think okay. that's a problem today? You see lots you see people, you know, moving the line further and further back. To be honest with you, I think I'd say 90. 90% of that is gender interaction. 90% let's just be balls. honest about yeah, it. That's just, what it boils that, down that, to. It boils down to that, okay. right? And thirsty you know, guys and girls, they want to use MSA <laughs> 
right? To live happily ever after for the rest of their lives, okay? But no, okay? Islam is very, very clear as far as how to go about this process, okay? You have laws, you have adab, you have etiquettes, okay? You have teachings on how to work on your ikhlaq, okay? You have teachings, your character, you have an entire beautiful and complete sharia, okay? Unfortunately, you're not going to be able to access all of that at MSA, okay? It's not even a representation of the Muslim ummah, not even close. It's not even a representation of the masjid community, of the local community. You have people from all over the world sometimes coming under one roof at MSA. Sometimes you have people who are commuters. Sometimes you have people who are residents, okay? So I think people who want to explore MSA and want to spend time at MSA, they should also be realistic when it comes to what they expect, when it comes to what they can uh, achieve or what they can benefit from there. And then likewise, the people who are making the decisions and people who are uh, you know, organizing events and people who are pro putting programs together, it has to be practical, it has to be relevant. Right. Okay? I mean, it, it, it's recently really broken my heart to see a lot of organizations, you know, let go of fundamentals of the deen because they're trying to accommodate, you know, uh, some, you know, random person who just happens to have another opinion that even the 95% of people don't hold, right? But in order to accommodate this 1% or 2% of people, right, um, whoever they may be, it's led to a lot of problems. I'll yeah. tell you an interesting story about a masjid, okay? where there was a disagreement about, uh, on having a partition between the men and the women, okay? In the beginning, there was just a, like a knee-high glass partition, right? okay? A knee-high railing partition, okay? Um, some of the sisters complained, some of the brothers complained, okay? At the end of the day, it's only one or two families that it goes back to, okay? And, and some, they want the partition. And some so cynical what, uncles. Right? And some cynical uncles, okay? May uh, God <laughs> reward them, okay? <laughs> I see what you did there. Okay, um, so the overwhelming majority of the community, the aunties, they're saying we want complete barda. Okay, we want complete second. We do not want to be visible to the men. Okay, and we don't want to see the men either. Right. Okay, we're comfortable in that way. That's the overwhelming majority. Maybe you can for ninety-five percent of the community, other than two or three families. Okay, um, this is what everybody is. Um, they going want. behind, they want. They prepare a survey and I send a survey out to the community, right? Just to double check. And this survey gives back these results, right? That the overwhelming majority, by a long shot, want there to be complete parda so that there can be absolutely no visibility. Okay, the complaint from the sisters section in this masjid, like obviously a masjid context is different from an MSA context or a classroom context, is that we want to be able to see the speaker. We're not engaged enough. We feel left out in the congregation. Right, of course, of course. Okay, but so what happens is, okay, despite this overwhelming majority and they've done shura and they followed the protocol, okay, still what they ended up doing as somewhat of a resolution to this, they have kind of partition in the middle, a knee-high partition in the middle, okay, and then uh, basically a full-length partition on the sides. Now if you go there during any one of the weekend events or during Ramadan or when there's more people expected to be there, there's a gap in the middle. Wow. <laughs> there's only two or three people, two or three sisters who are lining up in the middle, in the exposed part of the partition, and people are piling up in rows behind this side, the right side, and the left side, where the partition is completely all the way up. But why, why did they even do this if there was an overwhelming majority? 
I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea, and I feel like this trickles down to MSA as well. Yeah. Mufti, I have a question for These you. kids, if they get involved in MSA and they see some of this stuff, then you're opening up another door of fitna. Another issue that I, I saw a lot over the past few years was a double standard, right? That like, you know, and with the masjid, I, I was actually, this is what I was actually taught that, you know, you may be whoever you are outside the masjid, but when you come in, you're coming to speak to Allah and you ask yes. for forgiveness, right? So, right. you know, you kind of leave your dirt at the door and you come in. Now, does the same thing apply to MSAs? And I feel like sometimes we associate, going back to what we said, that you think they're synonymous, a masjid and MSA, right? And it's a misconception. So you'll see a kid who, you know, maybe whoever he is outside the MSA, he comes in and he's as proper as you can be, which is a great thing. I'm not criticizing that, but what would you think about that? Because it can come off as people just, it's just being a group of pretentious people who are just putting on a face for one another. How do you counter that? Because, you know, the university to the MSA are very much more close, in my opinion, than homes to masjids are in terms of... You know, I agree with you on that point. Um, when it comes to giving advice to people coming to campus, okay, um, people who are going through issues of depression, people who are going through issues, some of the things that you mentioned, like cutting or, you know, you know some type of addiction or something like that. Sometimes MSA board members or MSA members in general are not the best people to counsel you or advise you or to be, even be good it's, company it's for you. It's just the convenience of it. Oh, it's just the convenience of it. You may feel good for a short while of time, but no, you risk a lot. You risk alienating this person. I mean, alhamdulillah, we're now at a particular point in history in our generation where there is a big movement for universities to have chaplains and Muslim chaplains right. as well. People who have been trained and people who have been uh, qualified in being able to provide pastoral care, counseling, and who are specialists in dealing with these types of issues when it comes to therapy and counseling and advice and other things. If you don't have that, then the people who are going to be giving advice, whether an MSA board member or just an MSA member, they have to be extra careful. They have to be extra cautious of what they say will leave in this person's mouth a taste of what Islam is or otherwise. Absolutely. Okay. As we're entering the you know uh, end of our conversation here, and since 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 this is running a little bit long, um, I would like to ask Mufti, you know, what's some of parting advice that you would give to some people, um, you know, who may be struggling with a lot of these concepts? To the people who are struggling, right. okay, get professional help if you need professional help, okay. Um, uh, unfortunately, sometimes the imam at your local masjid is not a professional when it comes to certain matters. Uh, sometimes your parents aren't professionals when it comes to these certain matters, and there's a very strong likelihood that the people at MSA that you will encounter with, as nice and sincere and as pious and as knowledgeable, knowledgeable that, they, that, that they are, um, they may not be able to help you out with your situation. So if you need help, get the help from Absolutely. appropriate Absolutely. sources. Um, to the parents, okay? who are sending your kids to university, okay? Educate yourselves and attend MSA events, okay? And support the MSA and find out what's going on, okay? Don't just completely let go of your child for the next four years, okay? Encourage them, ask them, are they praying? Ask them, you know, who are you guys spending your time with? Are you getting involved in this and this and that? Bearing in mind, your kids should know, you should, as parents, instill into your children the priority for them to focus on their education. Focus on their education, but also that they are Muslims, that they need to make sure that they pray their salah, they need to make sure that they make time for the Qur'an, they need to make sure that they work on their character as Muslims, okay, and be the best Muslims that they can be. To the people at MSA, to the MSA board members and the regular attendees of MSA, just chill out. 
Okay, just have a very, very practical approach. Appreciate the amana that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you as far as being in a position to give nasiha and being in a position to create a mahal or an environment, okay, for Muslims to come and remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to learn about the deen. Okay, acknowledge that, okay, we don't have all the answers. We need advice ourselves sometimes. And we are in need of the advice more than the people that we want to give the advice to. So make sure you study leadership. Make sure you study your deen from people who are reliable and trusted, who you can refer back to, who are easily accessible. Okay. And when it comes to certain types of issues, yes, you may be in a difficult situation. You may be in a position of compromising. But stick to majority opinions, avoid controversies as much as possible, okay? This is a Muslim Students Association, okay? There has to be substance. Never ever compromise substance for style, okay? So all these flyers and all these weird topics, okay? Well, it and looks all like these... I'm going to a James Cameron movie. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I personally think some of them are kind of cool. Some of them are kind of cool. Some of them are kind of cool, okay? But no, you are in a position, make sure that you equip these... Muslims, whoever they are, wherever they're coming from, with, inshallah, everything that they need to be Muslim on campus. Alhamdulillah, absolutely. And just one last parting advice for everyone in college. These are going to be, you know, these four years of your life can put you in a complete direction towards Allah or take you off the rails, right? And it's some of the best time of your life, too. You're going to make the best friends of your life, have some of the best memories as well. Add... Allah and his prophet into your life add them in and you know and integrate them in your experience because when you leave college it's going to be much more difficult to try to change yourself as a person it's going to be difficult for you to reflect as much upon who you are and where you want to go in the future right so take advantage of it and you know honestly enjoy it I think college is amazing Moin and I talk about how much work sucks all the time so you know to be honest with you enjoy it while you're there and you know try to help people do community service be a good Muslim and a good person right and to all my friends who are not in the MSA you are not a bad person and it's uh, completely all right to you know not associate yourselves associate yourselves with it but you know just don't forget Allah's messenger go to the masjid you know <laughs> no, you we, we, if you we, don't we, go to the masjid if you don't go to the MSA no problem go to the masjid <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> we appreciate khair and goodness wherever it's found and Allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam motivates us and inspires us by describing in one hadith where he's mentioning the seven categories of people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give a shade to under the throne of his arsh, Azza wa Jal, on the day of judgment, on that day when there will be no shade other than his, the sun will be a mile above people's heads and some people will be up to different levels of sweat based on their deeds, where one of these seven categories is Shabun That young person who spent their youth worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is a chance for you to make or break your deen. This is a chance for you to secure and to guarantee your space in Jannah. So I make dua, Allah, make it easy for you, okay? And um, please, please, please make sure that you make a good decision and you surround yourself with good people. And make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Never underestimate the power of dua. Never underestimate the power of calling out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is an opportunity for you to work on your connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And other people may make you upset. Other people may forsake you. Other people may judge you. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best judge. Ameen. Thank you. Thank you, Mufti, for, for those words. Uh, so this was a wonderful conversation. Uh, so thank you, uh, Haris and Mufti Niaz, for joining us today. Uh, join us next time on the Safina Society podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.